Well, 2020 sure got off with a bang. Hey, Fat Mac. Not only that, it got off with a bang, bang. Bang, bang. Mick Foley would be proud as uh, New Japan celebrates 14 years of Wrestle Kingdom with two nights of great pro wrestling all over your fucking face. But we'll get into that a little bit later on the show as we break down both nights of action. It was it was um, almost hard to describe, but in a good way. You'll see what we're talking about, folks. I'm assuming most people listening to this, if they're into New Japan, have obviously already seen it. It's the WrestleMania of uh, Japanese wrestling. Not only that, it's probably the second biggest pro wrestling event of the year right behind WrestleMania. So it's, we're just, I'm going to tell you now, spoiler alert, we recommend you watch it. Yes, yes, indeed. There is no question as to whether New Japan still has that magic, because they definitely do. Maybe even more. It's, uh, it's, it's a doozy. But to kick off the top of the show, and it's time for us to give a little bit of shout-outs to our sponsors. What? Yeah, we do that around here. Coming up first is Quality's T-Shirt Company of Wilmer, Minnesota. Brought to you my, by my homie, That Dude Saint. Bringing you the finest custom tees. Featuring sublimation, heat transfer vinyl and decals. He stacks the shirts. So you got merch for any branding needs you may have. And these shirts fit like a charm. Oh, Still so rocking. Still rocking my cloud style shirt from Galactic Get Down. And I think I'll have it for quite a long time. Oh, I still love my buttered pop culture shirt. Of course, in my favorite color, yellow. He works with you with every kind of design, whatever color scheme you want. He's got you. Yes, indeed. And then, of course, there's Monster Wear Clothing, bringing you all your small runner bulk orders on decals, stickers, T-shirts, hoodies, hats, glassware, jerseys, and many other types and styles of fabrics. Along with custom graphics and logo design services offered, Monster Wear Clothing has got you covered. Everywhere Qualities doesn't, and some places they do. Ooh. Ooh. Owned and operated by a fine local juggalo family. So you know that quality is fat. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah. And folks, if you're not all about being covered, and in fact, you want to be uncovered, we here at Beef Sticks Podcast cannot recommend enough manscaped.com. And folks, before we get in and tell you about how great it is and let you know about some of the experiences we have, and uh, I actually got a a news story from a friend of mine that I I have to share, but I want to tell you all that this could be our final week of Manscaped support. Yes, folks, we love Manscaped. We're going to continue to support them, but for them to help support our show, we need you fans to go out there and visit manscaped.com, use our promo code BEEFSTICKS to get your 20% off and free shipping because they're not going to just keep supporting us for nothing. We need to prove that y'all, the, our beef stickers are out there, our beef sticky acts, our macho stickers are out there supporting us by supporting them. We really hope that if you haven't gone out there and used it yet, go out there and use it. If you have already, you know what? 
if this is the last chance you get to get your 20% off and free shipping, order it now and get it, even if we don't get a return. It's You're helping yourself. you got nothing to lose. Am I right, Pasty? You are right. And one thing's for certain, whether or not they stick with us, I know I'll be sticking with them. So, um... I, I tend to get a, a new story about this all the time. And I the circles that Pasty and I roll around, we're pretty open about what happens in our lives. Yeah. And uh, I heard from a buddy of mine who was uh, got a last-minute call from a lady friend. Not quite his girlfriend, but he's single. He can do what he wants, right? And uh, he'd kind of been letting himself go over the holiday season, and he was, he was shaggy. You know, I'm not going to say he was – full bore, you know, Bush, Rick and Morty, Bushwick adventures. Morty, it's the bind to go. It wasn't that. But nonetheless, he wanted to, to clean himself up, do something right. And he ran into the bathroom, and he hopped in the shower, and he grabbed the razor, and he went at it, and he <laughs> cut the shit, according to him, cut the shit out of the top of the shaft of his penis he thought he might need to get stitches it was bleeding so much i think his blood was just pumping so much that it was just squirting <laughs> out but it was it was like the new joker movie where right after well i ain't gonna spoiler alert but just imagine there's blood everywhere right what happened folks what happened he has manscaped.com he has the lawnmower 2.0 he grabbed the wrong razor. He grabbed Ooh. his face razor. He didn't grab the correct razor. Man, he went we've been running preaching this it. for weeks. <laughs> I know. I know, right? So, folks, not only do we recommend that you get the products, we recommend you use the products. And already. maybe even label the products, huh? <laughs> yeah, or just don't keep your face and your junk <laughs> razors by each other. I don't. Right. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but that is why, basically, that Manscapes redesigned their electric trimmer. Of course, as I mentioned, Lawnmower 2.0. It has proprietary skin-safe technology, so the trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. You're not going to be bleeding. It's rechargeable. It's waterproof. You can shave anywhere you want, in the shower, whatever you want to do. It is amazing. Not just amazing. It is amazing, Emirate Pasty. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 perplexing how well these products make me feel, and it's a it's it's just fantastic. And uh, make sure you go there. Not only they got the Manscaped 2.0, um, and, we, and we we can and we will talk about everything, but the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0, that's the one to get. If if you ask me, you got the Lawnmower 2.0 as we just. We can't say enough good things about it. has the Crop Reviver. That's the ball, the ball toner, folks. That's the one that keeps it good. That's the one that keeps – it's the anti-moisture. Yes. keeps everything out of there. We also got the Crop Preserver. That's your ball deodorant. That's the one you want. That's the one that smells so great. Pasty uses it on his face. I do. I bathe in it, basically. But along with all of that, which is great product that they have sent to us, it also comes with Manscaped Cleanser, which is an air and body spray. That way, Pacey doesn't have to use the ball deodorant on his face. He can use the ball deodorant on the balls. He can use that on his face. And you know what? How about you, you're not looking for a little axe-style action. You got a really good you, – you, you don't got a, just a, a wham, bam, bang the mam. You've got a special night out with the missus. 
Manscaped Refined Cologne. It smells so good. The woman's not going to be able to stay off of you, and she's definitely going to go down and check out your firmly, finely, and freshly trimmed crotchal area. But basically, that's still not all. They get you the crop mop. The crop mop is a specified ball wipe. This thing is a to-go, rip-open bag, take it in your pocket, put it in your wallet, keep it at work, keep it in the car. You got a hot summer day. If you've been going out to the gym on the treadmill, if work's just driving you crazy and you don't have time to get a full shower in, rip open the bag of your crop mop. You take that pre-moistened wipe out. Just take care of your area. Take care of your area. If you're not going to take care of nothing else, Pacey, take care of your area. Yes. It's a lifesaver. It is. It is definitely a lifesaver. It's a lifesaver. It's a relationship saver. It is a uh, marriage saver. But not only that, it is a literal testicle saver. And guess you what? Promo code BEEFSTICKS, B-E-E-F. S-T-I-C-K-S is a money saver. We'll be saving you 20% off on your order plus free shipping. Free shipping. Free shipping. Can't say no to that. You better not. Go use that promo code today. It may be your last chance. Manscaped.com. Folks, we appreciate everything they've done for us. Do a little something for them. And while you're at it, it's doing a little something for us. But it's like it's a time. giant circle jerk, if you think about it. You do something for I, yourself and for us, and we do something for you and them, and yeah. Basically, everybody walks away with a happy ending. Exactly. Oh, but um, moving on, we got to move into some news about a very not happy ending. And uh, that happened this week in pro wrestling history, Pasty. 16 years ago, January 7th, 2001, ECW held guilty as charged. Wait a second. 19 years ago. <laughs> Fat Mac made an error. Uh, definitely not 16 years ago. 2001. Upside 19. down dyslexicism. Uh, it must have been. Anyways, <laughs> 19 years ago on January 7, 2001. I was going to say 16 years ago doesn't sound as long. Uh, ECW held guilty as charged, and Pacey, sadly, this was the final televised event for the company as poor money management and mounting debt forced them to cancel the Living Dangerously pay-per-view, which was scheduled to air on March 11th, and Hardcore TV on TNN had already been canceled at this point. Living Dangerously pay-per-view, that poster would have just been Paul Heyman's face, right? Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) Sadly, two months later, on April 4th, to be exact, the company filed for bankruptcy, ending the real ECW as we know it. We won't talk about anything that happened after that. But we will talk about the final event, which was the main event, and it featured the last televised match for Extreme Championship Wrestling, and that saw WWE's Rob Van Dam. Yes, folks, he was a WWF wrestler. Yes. At that time. And he beat ECW's Jerry Lynn. That was a, uh, a storied rivalry for such a long time. It was originally supposed to be Rob Van Dam versus Sabu. Sabu and uh, Paul E. had some issues. It didn't end up working out. But I think we ended up probably with a better match having Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn close out the show. Yeah, yeah. What more could you ask for? 
Well, I'll tell you what. There was more that happened before the main event, which is how wrestling shows usually work. And those matches were Tommy Dreamer winning an I Quit match over C.W. Anderson. C.W. Anderson, a very underrated wrestler who I enjoyed thoroughly. We also saw Joey Matthews and Christian York losing to Jerry Lynn and Cyrus. Cyrus being uh, the executive vice president of Impact Wrestling, Don Callis, nowadays. So there's a little bit of, you know... Uh, ring around the rosy, if you will. Sandman retained his ECW Heavyweight Championship over Steen Carino and Just Incredible in a three-way TLCC match. Yes, folks, I did not stutter TLCC tables, ladders, chairs, and canes. But then Rhino bested Sandman immediately after that match to win his first world title and become the last ever ECW Heavyweight Champion. Yes. And come to think, um, 19 years later, Rhino is in another huge pay-per-view that we're going to be talking about coming up here. Wow. Just it, wow. It's amazing that man has lasted as long as he has. Him him, and RVD both. Yeah, yeah. RVD is also going to be in that same pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, we're surprised Dreamer isn't there yet. God, will this yet. be Impact's last pay-per-view? <laughs> we hope like hell not because they're hard they're on to the kill upside. and then it dies. <laughs> you know, if there's if there's one thing that uh that that Paul E. Dangerously, Paul Heyman, the the conniver, if you will, know knew how to do, no matter what, to the very end, Pasty, he would push it. Yes, he would. Yes, he would. The war ain't who's the biggest heel or who had the biggest, who's getting the best push, for God's sakes. We love the fucking push, don't we, Conrad? We've got to have a fucking push on the show or ain't the show. God damn it. It's a war, folks. And without a war, you can have a push. Without a push, there's no fucking life. You love the push? I love the push? Let's just fucking push together. So everybody loves the push. Push it. Uh, I love JR. I actually tuned into uh, the podcast this week. It might have been last week's episode at the time that I tuned in. But like right away at the beginning of the show, there was one that I was like, ah, oh, we should snag that. I can't remember <laughs> what it is at the time, but like within the first three minutes of the show. It might already like, be snagged. JR. <laughs> I know um, this latest one, the Bret Hart one, there's one right at the beginning <laughs> that I've I've already got that was good. <laughs> But I had already, uh, I'd already gotten into the whole uh, push it thing. To be, to be fair, the majority of that was from one episode, and uh, then a little bit from another episode. So that was a big push it. That was not just one long continuous thing. I admit it is a JRR mega mix. I figured to start out the new year, we needed a mega mix to do it. We had added the music and everything. But JR has a thing with pushes. Yes, he does. I mean, he got really, really upset. <laughs> he just does not, uh, he's not into the push. Not into the push. He's all about the pull. <laughs> he's, a, he's a puller. Not a pusher, he's a puller. 
That's for sure. Pasty, we're going to get into New Japan. we got to keep this thing going. We're moving, and I'm usually the one to keep up with it. But I do have a, a special uh, beers that I'm drinking tonight. I actually got a sampler pack. I'm going to run off really quickly. I got the Alaskan Brewing Company sampler pack. Yummy. We love Alaska Brewing Company, and they're actually brewed and bottled in Juneau, Alaska. Way to go. Brewed I'm, and I got bottled in here. Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but um, the first one that I'm going to be partaking in is the Icy Bay IPA. So when I crack the next one, I'll just do a little blurb and let you know. But the Icy Bay IPA. Sounds fantastic. It is, but not near as fantastic as New Japan Pro Wrestling's premier wrestling event, Wrestle Kingdom 14. The first ever two-night Wrestle Kingdom event and pasty on the show and in private, I was adamant that I did not like the fact that they moved it to two nights. And I will say, I'm hoping in the future it goes back to one night, but I was not disappointed with the two-night event at all and was thoroughly entranced in it. Yes. I had every intentions on watching both nights because I'm usually set for the long haul, especially when it comes to New Japan. But uh, due to uh, some technical difficulties... I only managed to catch the second night, barring the first hour. But I wasn't let down. You couldn't be. You couldn't be. And I think I think due to the fact that you didn't see the first night, and due to the fact that, as I kind of mentioned before we got on the air, I still think, as much as I enjoyed both nights, they could have easily done night one as a go-home show, maybe a special event, maybe uh. a... Um, Maybe like a, a, like a, like a big giant exclusive. pre-show is what I was kind of thinking. You know? What yeah, I mean? yeah. They could have done a New Japan World exclusive. You had to, you have to be a member of New Japan World for those of you who might not know. That's their streaming service. That's their WWE network, if you will. And you could have done that the night before and just had it the streaming and not had it. You know, the Wrestle Kingdom. It would be an exclusive. But nonetheless, um, we'll get right into it. Started out with an eight-man tag team match. We had Naoki Sano, Shinjiru Otani, Tatsuhito Takaiwa, Ryusuke Taguchi, defeating Jushin Thunder Liger, Tatsumi Fujinami, the great Sasuke, and Tiger Mask. Yeah, not kicking this one off. Good for the points for either one of us at zero to zero. No, our rationale last week was uh, we expect Jushin Thunder Liger to lose his retirement match, which would be in night two. So they got to let him win night one's match, right? Right. Wrong. Nope. <laughs> that was uh, definitely not the case. This one, like I said, I'm going to go through this pretty quickly, but this was a fun match to start, and everything felt super special. The The thing I love the best about this one, and I think, did you say you've seen some of this one, Pasty? Yeah, I think I got through most of this first So, match. the very beginning of this started out with entr- with the entrances of the other seven participants, but the their their Titantron, their video package if you will, their their screen when they came out was highlights of matches with them and Jushin Liger. And it culminated with a fantastic entrance of Liger that literally gave me goosebumps. Probably just because I knew what was going on. It wasn't the most amazing entrance ever, but I knew this was towards the end. And um, 
the the Japanese crowd, which is known for being so quiet, was so loud. And that's actually going to be a, a trend. Yeah, very much so. This oh. this year. But I, I heard after the fact that uh, Jushin Liger actually handpicked these seven guys because of the history he has had with them since breaking into pro wrestling. So that was awesome. The fact that they had highlights of matches with all seven guys, not even just the people he was against, but everybody um, in ma- matches with him really made this seem really special. Yeah, that's awesome. It was a better match. It felt like a better match than it actually was, but I'll take that. Um, after that, we had the eight-man tag match. Suzuki-Gun, represented by Zack Sabre Jr., Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, and El Desperado, defeating Los Engarobanobles de Japón. God, I love saying that. Yes. Represented by Sanada, Evil, Shingo Takagi. Takagi, Takaki, <laughs> I stumbled on my words there. And Bushi, we like Bushi. Yes, indeed. Uh, basically, this is kind of what it said it was. It was an eight-man tag. This was a battle between the two top factions, or at least two of the top factions in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And the announcers pretty much sold it that way. But um, it wasn't really about you know one one guy versus the other. But Sonata, to me, definitely. Definitely stood out. I, I I've felt this for a while. I've said it before, but definitely right now, and I think going in, I think Sonata is definitely a future world champion. And uh, every time I watch him in New Japan, it just blows my mind how Impact wasted his amazing talent back in the day. It was it was sad. I don't think I ever got to see him on Impact. He um it wasn't as bad as Okado. Let me tell you that. But he he came in with a big bang in the X division and had a good look. And then they just relegated him to, to nothing in, in, in multi-men matches. I say that as he's in an eight man tag here, I get it, but it's different in Japan though. It really is. It is. Plus in, in a lot of cases, these matches are the highlight of the night. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Maybe not um, here. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say 2020 could easily be the year Sonata breaks out into his own and actually becomes a big singles success. Not gonna say world champion, but I think he's gonna break out on his own and start uh start getting people looking at him a little more. He should. He definitely should. And uh then we went looking at another eight man tag match. Whoa, if this is not the definition of the uh the old WWE adage, let's just throw them all together and give them a spot on the card and a payday. Uh, more factions, though. We love New Japan's faction, and New Japan loves their factions. We have the Chaos Faction, which here was represented by Haruki Goro, Tomohiro Ishii, Toro Yano, and Yoshihashi. And they defeated Bullet Club's Kenta, Bad Luck Fale, Yujiro Takahashi, and Chase Owens. This match uh, basically was to build Kenta and Goto for the Never Openweight Championship on day two. It was basically their match with some uh, supporting players. And that was an amazing match. That was. Uh, But what was cool about it was they emphasized Kenta, they emphasized Hiroki Goto, but those two actually didn't have a lot of time in the ring together. But they had a lot of facials and a lot of playing with each other and a lot of emotion and again that, that's another theme that's going to be throughout these two nights it was awesome mm-hmm. 
but I loved the finish. The finish was Goro executing his go-to revolution, which is basically a GTS. It's his GTS. It's a GTR. And uh, he won with that. And he did it while just staring at Kenta and not doing anything else. So that he, he basically just looking at Kenta saying, I can beat you with your own move, buddy. I got your number, bitch. Yeah, that was awesome. I loved that. You didn't you didn't need English commentators and announcers to to feel that story there. I'll tell you that one right now. Uh, moving on, this was definitely the worst match of both nights. I gave it only a grade D plus, and that's really low considering what I gave a lot of these. I felt like Dave Meltzer just throwing shit out there, but that's how I you felt. You don't love Finn Juice? You know, I like a lot of juices. Finn Juice isn't my favorite, <laughs> not at the moment. IWGP Tag Team Championships, David Finley and Juice Robinson, who are uh, lovingly known as Finn Juice, defeated Gorillas of Destiny, Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa. I mean, there wasn't nothing wrong with this match, but I didn't get into it. It was kind of just sitting in neutral and never really upshifted. And the worst part for me personally, especially as a G.O.D. fan, was Tamatanga and Tangaloa have had the longest title reign since uh, actually Machine Gun Anderson and Doc Gallows. And they talked about this pre-match. And that was back in 2015. And this was not an amazing match for them to lose the titles to. I don't care if they lost it to uh, David Finley and Juice Robinson. That's fine. But put it, uh, make it good. They've had so many greater matches that they've won. It just seemed real lackluster to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, when when uh, the Bucks left New Japan, they, they did talk about Tom, Tonga and Loa being the kind of guys to just kind of rest back on their laurels and... I guess I could see that then if you were going to be losing your championships, that you wouldn't put that much into it coming from that perspective. Yeah, that that's true. I'd love to see uh, how much Tonga, Tonga, Tama Tonga, Tonga Loa, and Tonga Roa, all three of them, would, uh, how they would do over in AEW, you know? Yeah. And throw throw in Ming, throw in Haku, you know, they're the father. Yeah. Put them in there because they've got so many of these old school guys in there now, the old school NWA guys. Manga's an old school NWA guy from back in the day. God, that would be awesome. That would be. Possibly. Hey, it could happen if Chris Jericho wins his match on night two. It could happen. And I'll tell you what. He loses his match. Sorry. Um, <laughs> going, from, uh, going from lackluster to extra mustard, baby. Next up, we had the Texas Deathmatch IWGP United States Championship match. John Moxley won back his title from Lance Archer by knockout pasty. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, this is one I definitely need to go back and rewatch for sure. Not even knowing anything about it. This is one you need to go back and rewatch. Uh, I- I'm going to spoil it a little bit for you. Obviously, you already know who won. But suffice to say, this is a badass brawl. We got kendo sticks, we had chairs, we had tables. They actually used Lance Archer's spiked hat as a weapon. (laughs) And Pacey asked me before the air, he said, how did this compare to Moxley Omega? And, you know, it wasn't near as, as brutal and as hardcore. But the storytelling, you saw the emotion on Moxley's face with every spot he took. The pacing was good. 
and it seemed like there was a reason for everything they did. They made it feel real. Yeah. And um, I'll skip the ending, although the ending is really awesome, and I will just add that both men are wearing the proverbial crimson mask by the end. Maybe not the crimson mask, but crimson splatter, for sure. <laughs> a little dribble. But um, it, it looks like Moxley's going to be spending more time in Japan in 2020, Pasty, because New Japan did not waste any time setting up Moxley's new feud. Minoru Suzuki came out right afterwards and attacked the new U.S. champion after the match. So that's interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting, especially with New Japan making it a um, a goal of theirs to expand more into America this year and the coming years. <laughs> It wouldn't be a bad idea to keep Moxley on their shows and, and and selling New Japan World subscriptions, selling tickets to their shows in America, selling tickets to their shows overseas to Americans, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's definitely people like Moxley and Chris Jericho who are drawing more eyes from America to New Japan at the moment. For sure, 100%. And uh, somebody who's drawing eyes from the United Kingdom over to New Japan and everywhere he goes is Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay came in as IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion but lost it to Hiromu Takahashi in what Fat Mac said um, was possibly match of the year candidate when he watched it. I gave this an A+. I gave this an A+, when I watched it thinking, I don't know if anything's going to be better. Hopefully there's a few that are just as good. <laughs> I was wrong, folks. <laughs> but this one, Pacey, I thought of you, because I know that you're not the biggest Will Ospreay fan. In fact, you say he's kind of bland, and, and I get it, and I see where it comes from. But I, I would love you to go and watch this one, not only because it's one of the most amazing matches, and you got to give a lot of credit to Takahashi. I mean, it, he's a hell of a dancing partner. Yeah. Um, but this is only Takahashi's fourth match back since he had that horrible neck injury that almost ended his career. So you also got to give a lot of credit to Will. And they centered this around that injury there. Will Ospreay told an amazing story, both him and Takahashi. Everything done was perfect. They did an amazing Sasuke special spot, which we're going to talk about in the injury section, but I think he nailed it dead on. And that's a very easy move to botch. You know, and I you couldn't have asked him for a better ending. We had Takahashi doing a cradle tombstone pile driver, and Osprey landed on the back of his neck, and Takahashi won the championship, overcame the adversity of being in that being injured, having that injury, having that neck attacked, and then he beat Osprey using that same attacking the neck. It was an old school, straightforward story in Osprey and Takahashi. They nailed it. They nailed it. Good. Good. It's yeah. Storytelling in the ring is where Will Osprey loses me. He, he's talented as fuck. I, I won't take that away from him, but it's just, Oh, that's why I want you to see this one because obviously Takahashi helps a lot. Again, I mean, yeah. you need to, to, to tell a great story in the ring, but I think you'll appreciate him a little more pace. He's not going to say he's going to win you over. You're contender. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it. I'd say he's going to win you over, but I think you'll appreciate him more. Uh, we had the IWGP intercontinental championship match. Tetsuya Naido, fat max boy 
defeated Jay White to win the IWGP Intercontinental Championship match. Of course, that meant he was moving on to night two in what could, which would be a historical match no matter what, whether you, we knew what happened or not. Yeah. Um, at this point, this, I think it's only fair to say we didn't know last week, but the, the match at the end of night two is for all the gold. I uh, I thought we knew that, but maybe we no, didn't. we didn't. We well, were still up in the air. We weren't okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was we knew it was champion versus champion, but we weren't sure how they were doing it. You are correct. It did end up being for all the gold and made it all the more better. This match um, wasn't near as good as the last match. I will say it took three Destinos to to take out White, but I felt that. Uh, I, I mean, felt that Naito could have done could have done way better. Three finishers. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> could have done a lot better. Uh, the last note I have on this match was I can't. Uh, oh, I said I expected more out of Tetsuya, but hopefully he is saving it for tomorrow. But can't wait for the next match. And boy, I didn't even know. I didn't even know what I was coming into. <laughs> Because um, this, after I watched this match, I was like, this is match of the year candidate. Blue Osprey and Takahashi out of the water. I couldn't. <laughs> Little did I know, but. <laughs> <laughs> this one I gave an A++ grade to. Holy shit. I'm, I'm feeling like Dave Meltzer. IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match. Kazuchika Okada, Fat Max, number one, all time. <laughs> Defeated Kota Ibushi, who both Fat Mac and Pacey thought was going to win this one. Yeah. We both yeah. Were, were on Ibushi's side. Ibushi let us down. I'm okay with that, uh, especially the match that we got. Um, the match started out deliberately slow, I'd say. A slow, steady pace. But for me, especially knowing Okada and, and seeing some of the Broadways he's done, some of the 30-minute, 40-minute, 45-minute, 60-minute matches. Hour plus, yeah. I was sucked into it immediately. I was like, okay, this is going to be good. They're, they're, they're going to give us something. Okada focused on Ibushi's neck mostly. Ibushi mostly used power moves on Okada's head. <laughs> and, they both know they have to fight the next night, right? Right, I know, right? <laughs> It's like, come on, guys! And the great thing was, Ibushi, who... Who was a little lighter and a little less serious and everything? He showed no emotion during this match. He played up the heel tendencies, awesome. He was throwing closed fist punches. He was um, putting illegal kicks in. He was throwing yeah. clothed fish. Clothed fish. I, that's how excited I am. <laughs> he, he put dresses on these fish and just started walloping <laughs> at them. It was crazy. Closed fists. Um. But yeah, he, he showed he was here to win, not to impress. But, but trust me, folks, he's going to impress. After 20 minutes, Pasty, they amped it up, and they gave it everything they had, and they emptied their gas tanks, and they went full bore, and I was like, all right, it's about to be over. <laughs> no. no. It was not about to be over. Uh, this match ended up going almost 40 minutes, 39 plus. So at 20, I thought it was almost over, and they were still – had had plenty to go, pasty. Um, Okada and Ibushi, they did nonstop action. They kicked out of every other each other's finishes over and over and over, which, which we know happens all the time. We get yes. that. Okada hit 
one last Rainmaker and a Tombstone, which we've seen before. He got the victory. He moved on to the next the next night. But in my opinion, instant classic, one of the best matches I've ever seen. Not going to say the best, but definitely top. It was a roller coaster journey. Okada and Ibushi, they, they exemplified why Okada is the best in the world and why Ibushi is one of the fastest growing, fastest climbing wrestlers mm. in the world. And well, uh, I have to say, it, it definitely shows they don't need Kenny Omega to have these kind of matches. Right. They had him before him. They'll have him after him. And, uh, you know, it. now that you said that, it almost makes you wonder, does Kenny Omega need them? Right. He hasn't had a, I mean, other than maybe the Moxley, um, the Moxley lights out match, unsanctioned match, which had a lot of gimmickry to it, you know. He hasn't hey, had a great match to work together. That could be good storyline to bleed it in. Like he's sick of losing at AEW and he realizes he needs New Japan. Comes yeah. back to some glory. Because be he hasn't even, he hasn't put on, you know, four star matches since leaving the company. Yeah. Um, not not that it's on him, but I'm just saying, yeah, that is kind of interesting. And, and it seems like the elite is definitely going to be pushing themselves a little bit further this year than they did last year. So, yeah, this one, this definitely, this this took, this took Wrestle Kingdom, this took this night to a whole other level. It made me feel okay. This Wrestle Kingdom's on par with Wrestle Kingdoms of the past. You and I have both stated, pasty. The last couple years, Wrestle Kingdom has not been what it used to be, and it hasn't felt as great. And already at at night one, I was like, okay, this is the Wrestle Kingdom I used to look forward to so much. Mm. That's just night one. Folks, we're getting into night two. Five hours on night one, two? Night one, two? Was night one five hours as well? Uh, had to be right around there. Um, yeah. 10 hours of wrestling between two days. And I'd say maybe four or from night four one hours, but... wrestle again in night two. I hope they don't have to do anything for a long time. I think, I think the five hours and four hours includes um, the pre-shows, which I didn't even get into. And I wasn't even going to try to watch because when you got three, eight man tags starting the show, you don't even need a oh, pre-show. No, no. Night two was five hours without the pre-show. Was it? Okay. Like okay. four, probably four and a quarter, four and three quarters. <laughs> I got you. I got yes. you. All right. You want to get us started on night two? Yeah, I can uh, break this down for you. Just keep in mind, I missed the first three matches, which means I only saw singles competition, which is sad because I love multi-man matches in New Japan, but at the same time, made it all the more better. I don't know. Yeah, and we'll zip through these three. Again, we're falling behind, but I already told you we were going to, and we'll get into the meat and potatoes, baby. So we started it off with an eight-man tag team match, seeing Naoki Sano, Senjiro Otani, Tatsuhito Takiwawa, <laughs> Razuke Taguchi, <laughs> defeating Jushin Thunder Liger, Tatsumi Fujinami, the great Sasusuke, and Tiger Mask. Yes. Yes. Um, This was awesome. Just because it is, I believe it's Jushin Thunder Liger's retirement match. I don't think he's going to Terry Funk it. I don't think he's going to Mick Foley it. I don't he think he's going to Ric Flair it. He's not going to. He's not going to um, HBK it. I think this is it. HBK held out for so long too. He did. We thought like, he was going to be the one. 
And then that damn Saudi money got a hold of him. The and bastard. now Edge will be back at Royal Rumble. Yep. <sighs> but Ed, Edge at WrestleMania, you know. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Edge didn't want to retire. Yeah. But nonetheless, yeah. Uh, but th- think of how much. And you know what? I'm I'm thinking just out of this, but I should have thought of it before. Probably a lot of listeners don't really know how important Juice and Thunder Liger was. I know they they know him as a name and know who he is. I would hope, but yeah, for what he meant to the business as a whole, and then especially for the, the cruiserweights for before Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. And Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels aren't even what we consider cruiserweights now. Now you got right. people like AJ Styles and Seth Rollins who are main event, and we don't consider them cruiserweights. Right. None of that. None of that started before Jushin Thunder Liger, and you could argue possibly wouldn't have happened. I think it would have, but probably not as quickly, not as smoothly, and we would have missed out on a lot of amazing talent. Yes. Yes. You know, looking at this, I can't believe we both said he was going to win the first night and lose the second night, but neither of us have a point here because we didn't pick him. To... Oh, no, he did win. I'm sorry. I'm looking at this. No, he one. lost. Oh, okay. Then, then yeah. We, we lost because he lost. We picked against him. He lost. Yeah. You got it? Yeah, I got it. <laughs> I'm sorry here, folks. <laughs> it's been a long day. Pasty, next one. Pasty said before we even started, he's like, "I hope I can even speak straight." Right, so right. he already let me know. It's it's it was a like rough a four letter word I tripped up on. I was like, "Ah, <laughs> it's gonna be a rough one." Uh, basically, all I want to say here is that this match uh, was focused on Liger, and it should have been. Mm. And it also had a lot of focus on Takahashi, who had won the junior title from Osprey in what I called an A-plus match of night one, and I think it should have. And it ended with Takahashi executing a time bomb, got the pinfall on Jushin Thunder Liger. That was, it was definitely, in my opinion, a passing of the torch from There's Liger no to Takahashi. In this match, though. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. Hiromu Takahashi? Where are you? Night two. Oh, night wait. two. Why am I up on night one? I must have <laughs> <laughs> That's what you were so confused about. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> none of this is right. You're saying wrong, bad things. You're thinking you're going to pull, pull the wool over my eyes because I missed this match. <laughs> Basically, what the bang. fuck are you talking about, Mac? Bang bang. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> oh, where was I at? Uh, okay, so so basically, Takahashi beat Liger. And Don't got do this to us off. again, New Japan. It was good <laughs> yeah, once. Just, just get, get back to one night. We need that. We're both barely on any sleep here. My gosh. Um. I think I honestly think that was the right thing to do. We, we said that Lager was going to lose. I love that they let Takahashi pin him, the passing of the torch. Takahashi is in a position now to be what Lager was for over 30 years, but not as – at least as much as someone currently can. He can't have the impact that Lager did because of how much has already changed, but he can definitely be that kind of a wrestler. He can be that one putting on those huge matches. He can be that one – 
elevating both the smaller and larger guys, having amazing matches with the smaller and larger guys, and just having that art form. Pasty, a phenomenally fantastic career. A big thank you from Beef Sticks to Jushin Thunderlager for everything he's giving to professional wrestling and to us personally, I think. If that's not bad enough, I'm just now realizing that when I read the match, I read the match from night one as well. <laughs> <laughs> I've been up on night one the whole time. That's, there you go, buddy. <laughs> you didn't even call me out on that part. I did. You said he. You said he. He didn't win, and yeah, I said he didn't win. Yeah, but you didn't call me out when I said Naoki Sano, Shinjiro Otani, Tashuhiro uh, Takiawa. <laughs> okay, well, I was laughing because I thought you were just randomly going through the names because you didn't want to. I thought you were doing a bit, honestly. Nope. <laughs> Turns out the bit nope. was doing you. I scrolled you. down and right back up, and I was locked into that universe. Oh, bang, bang. I love it. Okay. Okay. Um, so accurately calling the second match now, we had the IWGP <laughs> Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. Rapungi 3K showing you defeating Bullet Club, represented by Taiji Ishimori and El Fantasmo. And folks, I just cracked open an Alaskan Brewing Company Amber Alt Style Ale. Yum yum. Yum yum in the tum tum. Um, Congratulations to Rapungi 3K on this one. We love Rapungi 3K. They were joined. They were joined. Um, they were joined by. Um, I just spaced out his name. The singer of Rapungi. Um, Rocky, Romero. Rocky Romero. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> he, he was joined by Rocky Romero. I always love seeing him out there. He, he's amazing. He does such a great job behind the scenes. He is. Uh, he's part of the creative team, but I miss him in the ring. Yeah, Fast-paced match. This was definitely not a WWE-style tag team match. This just oozed New, New Japan to me. Basically, see it or don't. I'm not going to tell you you have to. But I enjoyed it. Oh, you should. It's Rapungi. It's Bullet Club. It's going to be a good time. Yes. Then we have the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship. Zack Sabre Jr. retaining his title as he defeats Sonata. And this is where I tuned in. And um, if you're a big fan of technical wrestling, this is a much-see match. Yes. Um... I think Saber did a great job, but uh, God, Sonata, Sonata, God, he's really proven yeah. how great he is. He uh, he was able to bend to Zack Saber's style, which we know is, is hit or miss for a lot of wrestlers. Zack Saber can go out and have an amazing match if somebody can work with his style, or he can go out and have a, a match, to even maybe bad match if the other person can't work his style. Yes, his style. Style. And Sonata, Sonata took his stoil. <laughs> Did great job. Um, I personally was surprised that Sabre won, especially considering night one they pushed hard that Sonata has never been able to win a singles title. So going into this night, I thought for sure he was picking it up. But I, I guess that can continue the story of Sonata always coming up short, and maybe right. that again pushes what I said uh, hey, about maybe, last night. Maybe when, when Omega comes to New Japan... They can team up together. <laughs> right? Or have a great series of matches together where at least one of them has where, to where nobody, win. Where nobody wins any of the matches. <laughs> just, just count out after count out after count out. <laughs> Time limit draw here, count out there, double DQ here. 
Uh, I loved it. I loved Sonata is, is I, I see great things for him this year. Oh yeah. I just feel it. Yeah. Zack Sabre Jr. Doing well as always. Always. <laughs> then we had the IWGP United States championship match, seeing John Moxley defending and retaining his championship against the juices. Luce Robinson. And this uh, Moxley was on top in this match, like almost the whole time. It was nice to see him in a non-hardcore environment because we've been getting quite a bit of that lately. And I really loved his interactions with the ref when the ref's trying to tell him he can't use the chair. And he's like, what are you going to do about it? Right. And yeah, it wasn't a hardcore match, but such a, um, such a black and white contrast. This last match that we had with uh, ZSJ and Sonata was such a technical masterpiece and this one, this was a hard hitting brawl. It wasn't, it wasn't a hardcore match, but it definitely wasn't a catch as catch can, right? You know, top rope flip floppers. Yeah. This was a brawl. It was still two dudes beating the shit out of each other. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And this is where I had uh, put in my notes here that New Japan is, is almost more than AEW made for Moxley, and he gets to go back to his CZW hardcore roots. And I even wrote in my notes, I can't help but wonder what current day John Moxley would have been able to do in early 90s frontier martial arts wrestling. I think it would have been badass. Hell yeah. And this match was definitely badass. It was. I'm not a big juice uh, lover. Not a juice lover. But the shots Moxley and Robinson were throwing... That's the definition of strong style, Pacey. Hard, oh, yeah. stiff, no holding back, not they giving definitely an hurt inch. each other. It, it was awesome. It was fun. And uh, Moxley, I think they made the right choice with Moxley winning. Yeah. I, I I was surprised to see so many people after after the fact expected Juice to win. I know, Pacey, you had bet on Juice. Yes, oh, we yes, didn't I even did. say night, night one, speaking of bet on Juice. We tied all of night one, right, yes, Pacey? Yes, we did. Didn't we even did mention that. And we didn't have a tiebreaker because we were like, it's not going to be like that. No way. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Yeah, that was a fantastic time with John Moxley and Juice Robinson. And Juice grows on me a little bit more every time I see him. I hate that he cut his hair, though. He's still still way better. I mean, he's a million times ahead of where he was when he was C.J. Parker in NXT. Yeah. Yep. And um, next match has somebody who's actually a million times farther than where he was in NXT also, Pacey. Yes, indeed. The never open weight championship match, seeing Hiroki Goto defeating Kenta and taking his gold. Man, this was a match. See, I, I, um, I guess I disagree with you. To me, this was the worst match of the night. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't the best match, but it was a lot of fun. I loved when Hiroki Goto punched Kenta so far or so hard he knocked him back to two oh five live. <laughs> that was a beautiful, beautiful spot. <laughs> Just That's rocked fantastic. him. Yeah. Um Yeah, I, I felt it was lackluster. I expected more from Kenta, I guess personally. Yeah. But it wasn't bad. I just for me it was lacking something. But this, but this Kenta still, this is better than any match Kenta had in NXT a million <laughs> yeah, times yeah. over. And 205 so, Live for that matter. And 205 Live. And 
whatever he was in in WWE. It was a fun match. I I, I put this. You put this in any um, 205 Live special or, or match or anything. It's gonna be uh, the best match they've ever seen. Yeah. So. Um, and Kent uh, makes up for it a little bit more later on in the show. He does. He does. It's fun. It's I, I actually <laughs> I actually got a nice little blurb in my notes because I, I literally laughed out loud. I'll let you know when we get there. I'll read it. But uh, right. yeah, that's about all I have to say about this one. It, it's a good match, but I'd definitely say if you want to skip match or a bathroom break match, in my personal opinion, this is that. Then we had the match for the biggest loser in New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> the loser of the losers. Uh, seeing Jay White be slightly less of a loser than Kota Ibushi, even though he's not a loser to me in the least. Kota looked great in this match, and Jay White was just a sandbag there, basically. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, considering the matches they both had, this was impressive, yeah. you know? Dude, and, when Jay White threw threw Ubushi off the the ring apron and into the barricade, and it dented the shit <laughs> out of the barricade, like the barricade didn't move, he bent it in half pretty much. Exactly, chest. It, it didn't slide over like it does usually in America. It it caved in. That looked yeah. like a fucking painful spot, and I almost thought they were gonna call the match there. They both they both sold like a million bucks, and, and it might have been because they were both still so sore from yesterday. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean yeah. that that is possible. It might not have been selling. It might That's have the been. Thing just... too, they say you don't feel it during the match; you feel it after the match, and the <laughs> yeah, next you feel morning. it the next day. <laughs> and here these guys I are. Would not want to be any of the men on the card who had to fight both nights because they didn't pull any punches really the first night, from what I gather. Oh, for, at all, at all. And Abushi again, Abushi really, he showed his mean streak. He had a, he had this look, this eerie look in his eye that, that made you think like there was a couple times I'm like, I think he really hates Jay White. I think he just wants to hurt him. Yep. He's shooting on him. I know he wasn't, but I felt well, he was facials, shooting on him. The storytelling and the facials from Abushi and, and Okada, I think are, are amazing. Oh, for getting sure. the point across and like speaking a million words with just a glance. Again, you, you wouldn't even need commentators for their matches. I mean, I, I want to watch. I actually want to watch New Japan Sans commentary. I want to be able to hear everything else. Just or with the Japanese commentary, no because commentary. they really sell it. They really the Japanese get into it when you. Yeah. But um, the, I I will say the the one negative I have, and it's me personally personal. The interference by Gato with the brass knuckles helping uh, Switchblade get the victory. It felt very WWE to me. It felt very reaching for the American audience. I didn't think it was needed, but yes, it it fits the heel persona that Jay White's They they really want the American audience to latch on to Jay White, and and I'm sure like a third of them have maybe, but... I mean, if there's one thing thing Americans like, it's their whites. (laughs) Um, and then I'm just going to admit, uh, I'm, I'm pouting. I, I pouted, I pouted and I'm still pouting over the fact that Ibushi lost both nights. I'm really, yeah. really pouting about that. Fuckers. Yep. Uh, it's painful. Then we come to the match that the universe was just against me when it came to watching. I literally started <laughs> the match twice and saw about three minutes of it both times. And it was the same three minutes. <laughs> And that was the AEW title shot on a line match on a pole 
seeing Chris Jericho in a shark cage, sadly defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, this was a good match. You got you got two goats. You got two old school guys. You got uh, you've got um. I wonder how I know Jericho's like forty three. 44, Tanahashi's got to be around that age, maybe 41. He's maybe AJ Styles' age. So, I mean, these guys are are in the twilight of their career. You you could almost say at the the back end of their career, but I guess Chris Jericho's proven that's not the case. I think it is for Tanahashi, not for Jericho. Uh, This was old school wrestling. This was two goats going at it. Yeah. Um, this was this was Race and Bachwinkle. This was uh, Briscoe and Funk. This was all of all of those that you think of. And Jericho and Tanahashi, they were not only doing each other's moves, they were doing each other's mannerisms. They were playing the other person. They showed great facial expressions. It, it make you believe that what they were doing. It, it it made it made every move matter the way they did it. Again, the storytelling. These two nights had so much. I sound like a broken record. I don't know a better word to say or, or how to explain it. But they had me in the palm of their hands. They had the crowd in the palm of their hands, start to finish. The crowd was with them. The crowd was loud. It crescendoed with Jericho making Tanahashi tap out to the Lion Tamer. We love that. Jericho and Tanahashi are just two of the all-time greats in pro wrestling, not mm-hmm. Japanese, not American, not anything, just in general, and this showed it. This is definitely not the best match of this night, not even the best match of both nights, but I strongly recommend you go out of your way to watch this one, to just see two of the greatest of all time show you what wrestling should be. Mm-hmm. And brilliant work by Chris Jericho beating all the AEW fans that might not have watched Wrestle Kingdom into watching Wrestle Kingdom. By, oh, for sure. Because everybody w- was thought it was a guarantee at this point in time. You know, it's uh, and Chris Jericho. When it comes to Chris Jericho and New Japan, I always look forward to how he's going to be in the ring, mostly verbally. Because when he's in Japan and he can say whatever the fuck he wants to, it's always fun. Oh, for sure, completely. And it uh, and it told another. It added another layer to the AEW New Japan Pro Wrestling story, which is a story in its own right and is a shoot. You know what I mean? I mean, the two, it sounds like both companies don't want to work together as far as management goes. And as far as talent goes, they want to work together. And it's, it's, uh, I'm sure there's a lot more to all the stuff behind the scenes than we'll ever understand. They should do a tournament. They should do a tournament. New Japan versus AEW, and if AEW wins, they'll work together. But if AEW loses, they also lose Jericho and Moxley. <laughs> that would be fun. That would That'd be, be fun. you know, we don't want to work together. As a matter of fact, we hate each other. That'd be a good way to blend the companies together and, and still have like a heat rivalry kind of thing going on. Oh yeah, I think it'd be awesome. <laughs> um, pasty, and then and then we have, I think, the epitome oh of. Epitome of awesome? The epitome of wrestling. Holy um, shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, for all the times you said match of the year, match of the year, <laughs> I am I, I feel like we're going to look back and, and this could be match of the decade and the decade just begun. It's, it's insane, isn't it? This really could be match of the decade. The saddest part is the, the decade just began, so it's going to be like a match from like, like, 
2029 or 2028. Yeah, yeah. People would remember. And it'll be only half as good as this one. Uh But everybody's forgotten about this one. Uh, the, the match we're talking about, of course, is the double gold, ga- double gold gash, the double gold dash, <laughs> the double, is- <laughs> double gold gash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've seen the IWGP Intercontinental Champion Tetsuya Naido defeat IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Kazuchika Okada to become the first ever dual champion in New Japan Pro Wrestling history. Yes. Naido has both the Intercontinental and Heavyweight Championship belt. Pasty, before we get into talking about it, again, I felt like Dave Meltzer over here just chucking stars at things. I, I literally <laughs> gave this, this match, I gave an A plus, 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 plus. Because I'd already given an A plus and an A plus plus. I was right. like, where the fuck do I go from? They keep trumping themselves. Where do I go from here? Usually in video games, it goes to S rank. Okay, we're S in this shit. <laughs> yep, the, this is our first S rank match. It's getting S in the A. Holy shit. Everything about this match was on point. From the commentators Clay, talking about how long they fought the night before and how they doubted this match would go even twenty minutes due to the ah. punishment the men have taken. <laughs> I, I looked at I looked at the time and I'm like, wow, there's still a whole nother hour to watch after this. <laughs> Uh, you're lying to me. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, I was not let down from the moment this match started to the moment it finished. It was a wild fucking roller coaster ride. And the crowd, this is where I noticed the New Japan crowd was probably more on point than they have ever been. Yeah. Loud, crisp, all together in unison when they were trading punches back and forth. I mean, this is a little later on into the match. But when they're trading punches back and forth and the crowd's just going off each one, it's so perfect. Like, how – you don't get that in America. You get, like, five pe- – or, you know, a fifth of the crowd do- doing it off time, and uh, it's just amazing. It was- well, and, and to your point, Okada went out of his way to be the heel, and Naido was such a baby face. I don't – there was, you know – especially nowadays in wrestling, a lot of times when there's two amazing wrestlers, it's 50-50, if not maybe 65-35. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was 97% for Naito, 3% for Okada. Like, everybody was rooting for Naito. Uh-huh. It was not an Okada crowd. They told the story the way they wanted to, and the audience ate it up the way they wanted to. Yes. Okada started out, just on top, Naito was behind. Naito was nothing. Okada was the man. He was cocky. He was confident. He, a bunch of times, he, he you know, he made off like he could beat, he could beat Naito whenever he wanted to. It wasn't important. And, and to be fair, I, as a, as an asshole American, loved this cocky Okada, especially just oh, yeah. being a huge yeah. Okada mark. Yeah, had him. Uh, he had him in some kind of a, a headlock where he's bent over, and he like got pissed and looked up at the camera with like the best like villain face oh. you've ever seen. Yeah. It could it, have like, been written stabbed me in the chest. It was amazing. It, to me it um it felt I know I, I'm pretty sure I know exactly what you're talking about. And if it's the same one that you're talking about, to me it felt like a page off of a manga. 
Like, um, I could just picture this being an anime, a manga, just, like, the the look in his eyes. Yeah, I could see the lines in the, the background. Ground, and then he, like, his eyes come <laughs> up towards you, and his head tilts up, and he gets this evil smile. It was amazing. And Okada was doing things like slamming Naito face first into the announce table and, the top and just working Rana. his knee. Oh, shit. Oh! oh, I forgot about that. I don't even have that in my notes, I think, because I was marking out so hard. I'm just, oh. I, I'll, that's all I did. I wrote down spots because like, I, I need to watch this. <laughs> just write down the spot. I don't even know who did it. I'm pretty sure it was uh, Naito on Okada. Yeah, and it. for those of you who maybe don't know what we're talking about with a poison rana, if you know what a hurricane rana is, which I think everybody does, a Frankenstein or hurricane rana, it's basically reversed of that. Yeah. Picture the top guy in the opposite direction. Uh-huh. Um, oh, my God. Just, it's definitely just, a neck cracker for sure. Holy it, shit. It was awesome. Um, Again, we got to the obligatory. Both guys continue to kick out of every guy's finishing moves at the last mm-hmm. possible moment. And that was born in New Japan, but that in this match, I think not only because of how great it is in the performers, but because of what was on the line and how much they've gone through in the last two days. And the announcers saying it, they didn't think it would go twenty minutes, so every it, time the the three count was counted, it was it like might. you were on the I was on the edge of my seat every yeah, time. It, like it didn't seem thing? passe, it didn't seem cliche, it didn't seem more boring. I I actually have that written here. What you just said, I said, made me on the edge of my seat, wondering who would take it, Okada or Naido. It's like. Yeah, that's it. Um, yes. Naito ended up hitting the Stardust Press, and he followed it up with a Destino, and he won. Uh-huh. A prize that's ne- this is something that's never ha- ever 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 happened in New Japan ever. He became not only the first person in New Japan He's history to hold two championships. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> even more than that though, because he's the first person to hold two championships ever. Ever, yeah. ever, but definitely the two top championships also simultaneously. So yeah, uh, this. <sighs> yeah, I thought for sure Naito was gonna lose it when Okada hit. He hit a, a rainmaker, or he missed the rainmaker, then hit a rainmaker, and then hit him with a tombstone, and then picked him up. I thought he was gonna pin him for sure, but then picked him up by the ass of his his shorts and, and hit him with another rainmaker. I thought for sure Naito was done yeah. there. There were so many times I knew that was the end. Like I knew it was. I felt like I felt like Vince McMahon back in the '90s, if people remember when he was announcer, and like he obviously he knows who's gonna win, but almost every single pinfall, even if it wasn't even closer, it was like three minutes into the match, he'd be like, "Oh, at one, two, three, oh, he's got it, he's got, oh, he didn't get him. It's a one, it's a, he's got it. Oh, he didn't like." you believe every single time somebody went for a pinfall it was definite yeah. they were gonna win it it's like i, I felt that i felt that mm-hmm. yes and you didn't know what more they could do um <sighs> this what one thing oh i, I actually i i want to read my, my final two like paragraphs here and then I, and then we can then i'll let you say your thing and we can discuss it a little bit more but uh just because i i uh i i I had a muse. This was my muse. And so this is what I got here. I said, this was an unbelievable feather in the cap to perhaps the best Wrestle Kingdom I've ever watched. The bar was set with Takahashi Osprey. Then it was raised that same night with Okada Ibushi. But Naito Okada smashed through that and put on an epic encounter that we will all be talking about for decades. I don't know how Meltzer plans to rate this, but it definitely, in my opinion, tops 
all of the Okada Omega matches of Wrestle Kingdom's past. Naito hasn't held the championship since before losing it to Okada in Dominion in 2016, and that's a story there, but he finally got his revenge by becoming the first dual champion in New Japan history. And although the moment was short-lived, though, Pasty, as you kind of uh, alluded to earlier, a post-match attack from Kenta, and I wrote here, who heard Fat Max shitting on his match and wanted to end the pay-per-view in fantastic <laughs> flair as he celebrated holding the two championship belts in the middle of the ring. While <laughs> like, teabagging, <laughs> while teabagging Naito. Yeah. It's like, like, it I, was all up in your face. It was a great statement to make at the end of an amazing two nights of action. Yeah, so as far as Kenta disappointed me earlier, like, ending this, I marked out for that ending. I'm like, oh, shit, Kenta's moving up in the, in this this year also, you know? Yeah. And he should. He should. Oh, for real, especially after the shit he went through in, in America here. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, this was just going to be the one guy that they allow. This. He's going to be the one guy they allow to go to AEW. <laughs> <laughs> like, God damn it. I, I can tell this was a great pay-per-view or a couple pay-per-views because I'm so excited just going over it with you, Pasty. Uh-huh. No, no. My heart's and, beating. And the thing, you, you were reading your final two paragraphs. The, uh, the Most of the time I was watching this, I was like, holy shit, this might be the best pay-per-view I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm just saying that because I'm in the moment. But you're saying it, and I'm saying it, and it's gotta be, it's gotta be at least close to right. It's gotta be. And like I, I told you either since we recorded or before, I can't. It's been too much now. But I do want to set for a couple days and then go and rewatch it again, and and even pick out just a couple matches and rewatch mm. them a few times. Because yes, you do get into it in the moment. But um, it's definitely one of the best pay per views of all time. Yes. And definitely a great refresher after the last year of wrestling we've had. Oh, we could have used this. If this is a if this is a sign of things to come, we're 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 definitely starting off better. And my last note on Wrestle Kingdom uh, night two alone because I didn't watch night one, but it was enough to make me say Wrestle Kingdom will be the measuring stick to which all 2020 events will be held up to. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, the- Nobody's exactly. touching New Japan. It, nobody. AEW has their work cut out from. AEW has had some great pay-per-views, some lackluster, but some great. NXT always has some great takeovers. This is the you year know, to see WWE what happens. Might be number one money-making wrestling company in the world, but I they are no, might be they are yeah. This this pay-per-view definitely, at least for me, and I'm sure millions of other wrestling fans pushed them over WWE. Oh, for sure. They're like, um, and I might be getting my analogy screwed up, but they're like Van Gogh. I think Van Gogh was the the painter who died broke and poor, and you know nobody bought his paintings and shit. No, no, it wasn't Van Gogh. I think he was huge, wasn't he? No, Da Vinci was. Yeah, I think Van Gogh. Van Gogh. He, he died poor, and and you know nobody nobody cared about him. And now all these years later, we know he's a genius. It's that's a that's what New Japan is. They're Van Gogh, right? And to break it all down for you folks, we tied the first night, but the final score as of night two was me five, Fat Mac three. Pacey's starting off this year good after a uh, abysmal, I don't think we ever <laughs> talked about that. No. An abysmal last year. Let me bring it up real quick because I want to I wanna bask in my own glory here. Bask in 2019, oh, I didn't even write thought you said you didn't know had. Keith Lee's theme, theme song. I don't even have it. But fat. <laughs> we'll have to it say for fat you next Mac, week, folks. 
did a good job of beating Pasty White last year. Oh, I'm sure. <clears throat> um, we will have it next week. We're only we, counting we AEW pay-per-views, though. So. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe it's a little different. <laughs> um, we got to do Pasty the obligatory. Oh, wait a second. We're counting both matches together. That made Pasty White got nine right. Fat Mac only got uh, seven right. So way to go, Pasty. You're starting the, the year out strong. Yes. Uh, best match of the night. Do we both agree? The double dash? Yeah. The yeah. double gold dash? Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um, now, do we do give have... night two an S rank, or do we give the final grade for both shows an S rank? Well, night two for sure is more than an A+. plus. Yeah. Um, what do we put a final grade? For? You know, to me, um, yeah, I, th- I think both. I think we just call the, the full grade S, right? All right, yeah, yeah, because it's going to be the I'm entire not thing let, is what everything else is going to I'm not going to let night one bring down night two at all. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't It was horrible. If it was horrible, then yeah, it would. But no, we're yeah. going to give them an S. We Pasty gave us a brand new rating this year. Both yeah. Pasty and New Japan gave us a brand new rating this year. Mm-hmm. S, and, and it just goes to determine it's going to definitely hold us to our word come next year's beefies. Because it's going to be real hard to earn an S after this. Damn straight. You got to beat this. And oh. that's, is it possible? Maybe maybe next year's Wrestle Kingdom. Can you beat uh. our beefy? Ah, <laughs> oh, it is that time of the week again, folks. Oh, yeah. And with it being that time, Pasty, I am busting into an Alaskan brewing company, Hellas Ale. Yeah. Yeah. It is time for this week's Savage Sentinel, where we break in and break down and break up and smoke all the news from pro wrestling this week, which probably isn't all of it, because I'm sure we missed quite a bit, because we got a lot to cover (laughs) on this show. Yes. So if you read the description, you'll know AEW has something to do with uh, Australia's wildfires? What? What? Yeah. They're that hot down there? They're over there burning the burning it down, stealing Seth Rollins' theme song and just lighting shit on fire. No, Cody Rhodes is doing his part to help the koalas and the dingoes. On a Sunday, Cody tweeted, "I had an unused retro shirt design. I've decided to put it online. 100% of the profits go to the NSW Rural Fire Service to help provide support to those affected by the catastrophic fires spreading across Australia." It's great. That is great. He's doing his part. It's great that so many folks are stepping up. It's uh, not only sick to to know what's going on down there. The sickest part is that three people, at least three people, have been put in custody for deliberately setting, uh, for deliberate arson, yeah. purposely That's... setting fire. Disgusting. And even more disgusting when... Uh, I know a lot of times people uh, exaggerate a lot of... That just happened down in South America, too, when they were on fire. Companies yeah. went out and start burning more. Because all it is is after it's all gone, that's that's business space. And um, <laughs> people exaggerate stuff, and I'm sure this some of this is exaggerated. But it sounds like it's there's a possibility that 50% of the wildlife in Australia could become severely endangered to instinct by the end of this fire. Because there's so many there's so many species that only live in Australia. Right. It's just crazy to think that, that like, how much of Australia can actually burn. Because a lot of it's pretty barren. 
Yeah, I think it's. I think I've read somewhere before, like only thirty percent is even populated. Mm-hmm. It's a tiny percentage of the. Yeah, just the area. I don't know why. For the most part. But yeah, basically, the Sydney Opera House and then um, Paul Hogan's house. That's about it. No, I tell you, one thing that makes me really sad about this is is knowing that my Facebook feed blew up more when the the Roman Cathedral was burning than oh, it has disgusting. over the Australia thing. It's yeah, yeah. Oh. So props to Cody Rhodes and AEW for doing their part to try to quench the fire a little bit. And uh, somebody else who was on fire, but in the best possible way, pasty NWA's Zicky Dice, also known as Nick Zappo, frontman for the music group Heart to Heart, is not only having success in the current NWA television title tournament, but his band is reaching similar success. Yes, his band. Heart to Heart has signed a deal with In Vogue Records, which plans to release singles and an EP in 2020. Ow! The first of the releases... that on the Beef Sticks podcast wrestling music playlist on Spotify. Pasty will get it loaded for y'all. As soon as it's on there. The first of the releases, which is the single Insufferable, is already out wherever music can be listened to, and the full EP entitled Heartbreaker will hit shelves and clouds on Valentine's Day, ironically. Yeah! Man, we're talking about music. Ozzy Osbourne released a, a, a duet today with Elton John. Never thought I'd live to see that day. Two greater musicians, one. musicians. I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 cool. It's nice to see that uh, Post Malone brought Ozzy back. You know, it's a good thing that Post Malone is there for the Oster. Mm. Makes me a little sad. All the singles so far have been basically talking about how he's. Lived a crazy life and partied a lot, and now he's going to die soon. <laughs> but hey, way to know your mortality, because back in the day, you, you thought you were a god. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Crunchyroll announced today that the host for their upcoming 2020 Anime Awards with a press release. This year, the host for the Anime Awards will be WWE superstar and longtime anime fan. Who would you guess? There's only one, Ooh. I think, in my book. Ooh. Ooh. Xavier Woods. Ah. Xavier Woods bio. A Georgia native with a true love for sports entertainment. Xavier Woods followed his heart to WWE superstardom. The purveyor of positivity may have won multiple WWE tag team championships as one third of the New Day. But he also welcomes all challengers. He also had a fucking great run in Ring of Honor. Why aren't you talking about that? Come on now. A great run in uh, Impact Wrestling. Yes. Is that what I meant? See, That's what you I, meant. They're all the same. I know, I know. Consequences <laughs> Creed. Impact is good right now, and Ring of Honor was good then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, he also welcomes all challengers in the gaming arena as the host of his own YouTube gaming show, Up, Up, Down, Down. Having earned both a master's degree and a PhD, Xavier Woods combines brain power with star power to be one of WWE's most versatile superstars. The nominees have been revealed, and the fans are encouraged to vote every day. Voting will reset every day at midnight. For Pacific their... Standard Time. Yes. <laughs> psst, psst. Voting ends at midnight. Psst, psst. Hey, hey, psst. Voting ends at midnight. <laughs> for their favorites between today, Friday, January 10th, through Friday, January 17th. So if anime is what you rock, get in and there I and do. vote. Get in there and vote. 
You know, I'm not a big anime fan, but I have listened to a few podcasts where where Xavier Woods has been on, and I enjoy listening to him talk about anime. And if I think anime awards, I think Xavier Woods is probably the first person to come to mind to host that show. If not all of New Day. (laughs) As far as wrestling goes, I I would agree, although there are a a ton of huge anime fans in pro wrestling. Oh, no, 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 no. No, Xavier Woods is the biggest thing in anime in general, okay? (laughs) Trust me, I don't live inside the bubble. I see it from the outside. My perspective is on point here. I got you. (laughs) And, um... I wasn't sure how we were going to bust out this uh, Savage Sentinel, and I really wanted to do the anime one, and then I realized, oh, the next one I really wanted to do also. So I'm, I'm going to do one of them I love. So I get the story that is in the I Can't Believe This Is A Real Thing news segment. WKYT in Kentucky Pasty is reporting that WWE is pushing to make a push to have Corbin, Kentucky renamed King Corbin, Kentucky. <laughs> Yes, folks, this is 2020, and this is a real thing. WWE is running live events in Corbin, Kentucky this Sunday with Baron Corbin advertised to face face Roman Reigns in a loser-eats-dog-food match. Again? Yes, folks, this is 2020, and this is Is a real thing. WWE Network exclusive special? I don't know, but (laughs) prior to that event, Corbin and WWE reps will be in front of the, this is a real thing, folks, the (laughs) Colonel Sanders statue in downtown Corbin Sunday afternoon, collecting signatures to join Corbin's petition for the name change of the town. So, to recap this, WWE is, is protesting in front of Colonel Sanders statue to change a town name to the wrestler King Corbin. I think they're they're honestly, if they want this to pass, they're focusing too small. This should be on change.org. You should be able to <laughs> right? let every wrestling mark vote on this because I think that's the only way. That the people who live there aren't going to know. No. I guess WWE might get them to Maybe. do it for one day, you know, an honorary day where it's called King right. Corbin, Kentucky. So, so I do have to ask something, Pasty. You said something, and it's either you being a smartass, which I would get, or as sad as WWE right now is, it could be a real thing. When I said Corbin versus Roman Reigns in a loser eats dog food match, you said again. Is this something they've done, or are you just saying like, or being smartass because like again? Uh, I don't know if they've had to eat. I, I I watched Raw this week, and I think they had talked about this probably. But he's okay. dumped canned dog food on Roman Reigns before. Okay, which, by the way, isn't original. It was done in the past, but there was at least a purpose for it. It Uh was done back during the uh, Canada versus USA amazing feud back in the uh, 1997, the mid-90s, when it was um, Davey Boy Smith versus... Wasn't Stone Cold? Was it Goldust? I think it was maybe Goldust. And uh, no, it was Ken Shamrock, and the, the loser had to eat dog food. And so, and Davy Boy Smith, the, the British Bulldog, lost, and Ken Shamrock dumped dog food on him. But there was a reason. It was the, the, the British yeah, Bulldog, right. Davy Boy Smith. Yeah. I don't get this. Well, Roman Reigns is the big dog. He, he has to like. Oh, I, I guess. Just like Corbin, yeah. Corbin remixed uh, Roman Reigns' entrance theme to have a chihuahua barking at every guitar hit. Just like WWE tried to change the town of Kentucky by hijacking Colonel Sanders. <laughs> this is a real thing, folks. It is. 
and real pathetic. <laughs> I love it. Uh, wrestling, pro wrestling, folks. <laughs> we we go from fucking New Japan Wrestle Kingdom to that shit. Come on. <laughs> Talk about the black and whites, mm. the two sides of every coin when it comes to pro wrestling. I guess to, you, you got to have something for everybody, and that covers the gambit right there. <laughs> and then also on Raw this week, Rowan started letting jobbers look into his cage. It's about time. Yep. He let Mojo Raleigh look into it, and he freaked out and ran away screaming. And then he fought a jobber, and during the fight with the jobber, he's like, you want to look? Go ahead, look. And the jobber looked in the, underneath the thing and looked in the cage, screamed and pulled his face away, and his face was all covered with blood. So this is going to be great. I didn't know Rowan had a cage. Yeah, he's had this cage he's been carrying around. It's, like, covered. Is it, like, a canary cage, or or is it, like, a guinea pig cage? or is it like, an animal cage with a handle on the top, kind of like Bray's Lantern, except less. It's like a canary cage. Yeah. A little bit yeah. bigger, and it's kind of boxy, not, not like the round one. Okay, so, like, a gerbil cage. Yeah. Okay. Yep. But he's been carrying it around. He wouldn't let anybody get close to it. He'd just destroy it. What if it's a gerbil? Why is it spitting blood at people? You should what get that thing checked out. What if it's lemming winks? <laughs> <laughs> lemming winks has seen it's some like shit, a, my friend. It's just a, a, a living period <clears throat> vagina. Uh, Vince gonna, Vince would go for that. I know, I know. They did that. the hand. So, I mean, why wouldn't you? Uh, right? <laughs> And then they lift the, and then they lift the covered, and it's just a vagina, and it, it spews blood. blood. <laughs> it squirts so much blood that it makes all the lights red. <laughs> and then the fiend can have his match finally. <sighs> yep. What else do we yep. got? Yeah, that's a good one to leave that topic on, <laughs> and so we will be coming and going elsewhere. <laughs> Yes, we will. <sighs> this year is expected to be a big year for stardom as New Japan Pro Wrestling's parent company, Bushi Road, purchased them last fall and will put a lot of resources and marketing into the promotion. David P. Meltzer noted that stardom is looking to try and run bigger shows this year, but they recognize how important it is for them to try and sign real stars like Io Shirai and Kyrie Sane. I like those names. They need I to get out also. of WWE. Both of whom are said to be not necessarily happy with how they're being used in NXT or WWE in general. They both already star in Japan, and <laughs> they both are you're, already stars in Japan. You're doing good. I know. But their runs with WWE has added even more exposure to that. Bushi Road reportedly intends to offer a lot of money to Sane and Shirai to stop them from re-signing with WWE. Meltzer noted that Shirai's pay on NXT is nothing special, and she was making more money in Japan and working less dates. Also of note, Shirai and New Japan Pro Wrestling star Evil are engaged to be married, and Evil lives in Japan, so they may sway Io's opinion even more back east, unless WWE gets evil and then cucks him. Well, WWE is evil, so (laughs) they don't need to get evil. They are. We already got that. <laughs> um, I think I think with all lowercase letters. 
I think they got evil back, uh, what was that, back uh, about 10 years ago when he had that battle against God in the tag team match. Yeah, we remember <laughs> yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. Again, this is a real thing, folks. We're not making that up. <laughs> Shane McMahon and Vince McMahon versus Shawn Michaels and God. Yeah. That was a real match. And WWE fanboys want to complain about matches with invisible men or mops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or or flippy penises. <laughs> <sighs> hey, Petrov Fucka sent me a video last week uh, where Colt Cabana kissed Joey Ryan's penis impromptu in the middle of the ring, and it looked like Joey Ryan was caught off guard by it because wow. Colt Cabana was apologizing right afterwards. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that I don't think Colt Cabana was kissing it. Colt Cabana is uh, openly Jewish, and I think he was just checking if he was circumcised. <laughs> And his eyesight's not so good, so he's got to check with his mouth. You know, he's just—he's wondering as the uh, as the Jew thugs say, is he is does he come from the hood? If you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, SoCal Uncensored is reporting WWE has signed hugely popular independent star Mercedes Martinez. Mercedes Martinez, who debuted in. 2000 so she's been in this game for 20 years two decades folks she's been a champion in many promotions such as shimmer rise shine nwa midwest ring of honor world extreme wrestling women's superstar uncensored beyond wrestling and is the current alternative wrestling show heavyweight champion she competed in both may young classics and has wrestled in nxt on several occasions as well as being part of aew's casino battle royal at all out in fact, Pasty PWI ranked her number two in the 2011 Female 50, and she has been on every Female 50 and uh, Women 100 they've ever had. And Sports Illustrated just last year listed her in their top ten women wrestlers of 2019. Very nice. She's going to go far in WWE. I don't see WWE doing much with her performance-wise no, in the ring, the problem with, but with, backstage. With women wrestlers in WWE, they tend to hire them young and use them up while they can. And don't keep them around for that long. It's, yeah. it's interesting to me that WWE has been been, been hiring more uh, seasoned women lately. I can see her uh, being a lot like. Um, oh, I just uh, I just based off her name. She was the Shimmer coach uh, before and, and went to WWE. And she's just been backstage and uh, as a coach. And uh, um, I really feel bad that I. Uh, Spacing off her name, but I, I can see her moving into a coach position for sure. Yeah. And she'd be amazing at that. I mean, she's got, she's got years left, you know, maybe, maybe four or five years. I'm not talking about 20 years, but she's got years left in her career, but she'd do so well in a backstage coach position. Uh, uh, Sarah Del, uh, uh, um, Del Rey is who I'm talking about. There you go. Uh, another popular standout, Alex Shelley, will be making his NXT debut next week where he'll team up with Kushida to take on the grizzled young veterans in the first round. What a way to get back at the young bucks, huh? <laughs> <laughs> in the first round of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, Shelley was wrestling for Ring of Honor in 2019, but now he'll be making his way to NXT for 2020. Um, two amazing tag team wrestlers. It's great that these two are in this tournament because we all know Alex it's Shelley not so from. Great that they're in WWE. Though. No, no, it's not at all. <laughs> Especially considering Alex Shelley's age. 
But Alex Shelley being a former um, uh, uh, Motor City Machine Gun and um, the Time Splitters. Mm-hmm. Alex Shelley and um, Kushida. This is... Uh, oh! Oh! Nice. Yeah, nice. That yeah. makes even so more sense to we got the time. So we got the Time Splitters here. Uh-huh. Um, amazing tag team. Again, would rather see them go to AEW than, than WWE, but... Uh, they AEW, haven't done well this with is... Kushida yet. He was there. He had a couple of good. He had a really good submission match with Drew Gulak, and then uh, left for a while after losing a match or two, I think. And then he came back with a promo saying he wasn't sure if he was cut out for WWE, but he was going to stick around for his family. So he basically cut the same bullshit promo that Rey Mysterio cut three months ago. Yeah. And then I haven't seen much of him since. Too soon to talk about Gulak, Pasty. Too soon to talk about Gulak. I'm but... sorry. I know, I know. We'll get into that later as well. But, um, I, you know, I haven't, I honestly, sadly, haven't seen Kushida at all in WWE. So, I'm, I, I, I we, we just talked about Kenta. Enough said. I got not much to say about this. Right. Yeah. They basically let Kenta, they let Kenta go back to Japan and they're like, we, we need a new Kenta now. Let's bring in Kushida. <laughs> Yeah, and they're gonna and they're gonna treat him the same way. Oh, yeah, it's gonna make a big difference. Yeah, but um, oh, that brings us to uh, another standout pasty. According to Pro Wrestling Sheet, Jeff Cobb has signed a per show basis contract with Ring of Honor, which is which is surprising. We're not hearing a lot of those currently, but. Following That was following his initial deal that expired in January 1st. Jeff Cobb is reportedly currently happy with Ring of Honor's current product, but he is no longer locked into an exclusive contract with them, allowing him to sign anywhere he pleases or to wrestle with other companies as well as staying with Ring of Honor. Cobb, a former Lucha Underground, Pro Wrestling Gorilla, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Never Openweight, and Ring of Honor TV Champion, Signed with them a couple years ago back in 2018 and has really been pushed this last year. If you remember back in Lucha Underground, folks who may have watched that, he was the the, the monster Matanza mm. and made a big in, made a big impact there. Yeah, I'm interested to see where this goes because he says he's happy with the company, but I, I think if you were happy with the company, you wouldn't be on a per match basis. Maybe, maybe not. If you can get a per match basis, That's now is the, the time to do to it. Yeah, yeah. Because there's so many companies that. I mean, if you're an you independent look at the Joey contractor, Ryan you might as well be an independent contractor. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you look at people like Sammy Callahan and Joey Ryan, who until they recently, ironically, both signed with Impact, mm-hmm. but still both actually wrestle in multiple companies. You know, they were they were wrestling. Uh, both of them, sometimes they're wrestling five days a week, six days a week, every week. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work, but that's a lot of money when you're headlining. Yes, indeed. And when you're selling pictures and selling merch at every one of those. You know, if you're selling merch once a week or twice a week, or you're selling merch six times a week, merch makes you more money than matches. Uh-huh. It sounds like a slogan, but it's true. Merch makes more money than matches. Well, I learned on the New Day podcast this week that they uh, WWE didn't let them have merch at the venue for the very longest time. Their their shirts were only available online. That's pretty pretty sick and sad, I think. Well, they're black. 
Yeah, yeah, but still. That's not me saying it, folks, okay? That's Vince. That's Vince, Don't, yeah. I know somebody's going to take if, – if, if people cared about our podcast, somebody would take that clip and use it. Nobody gives a fuck about us anyway, so it's not a big deal. But Right, yeah, use that, that promo Vince code talking. BEEFSTICKS at manscaped.com. The Black Friday special. Oh, fuck it. Ah. What an ass. What an ass. All Elite Wrestling has officially signed Austin Sop. Also, and better known as Austin Gunn, son of Mr. Ass himself, Rockabilly Gunn. Austin was previously appeared on AEW during the All Out Battle Royal in 2018. That match was eventually won by Flip Gordon, as well as having a match teaming with his father on next week's episode of AEW Dark. That was the pre-signing official tryout match. He also competed in last year's Ring of Honor Top Prospect Tournament, losing in the finals to Dak Draper. Oh, Dak Draper. I I haven't seen too much Austin Gunn, but from what I have seen, I have enjoyed him. Uh, If if they're looking to push Jungle Boy Jack Perry a little bit more this year, I'm really interested in seeing those two fight. I haven't seen any matches with Austin Gunn. I've seen a picture of him. And he's really going the Hulk Hogan route because I thought he was, um, I thought he was Latinx. Yeah. He, uh, he looked really dark, at least in the picture I seen. I thought, didn't think he was white. Didn't think he was Billy Gunn white. That's for sure. <laughs> maybe, I mean, maybe his mom is black. I guess I maybe. don't know his mother, but he was dark. I mean, he Billy was dark. is an ass man. He's an ass man. He's, uh, he might, he might, uh, yeah, he might. You know, this is this is one signing I've predicted since Billy came to AEW to help out with the backstage goings-ons. I figured that would have been a shoe in. Like, yeah, I'll work for you. Hire my kid, too. You know? So can we, this, uh, you just made me think of this when you literally just said that. We got to discuss for just a, a millisecond here. The fuck ever happened to Cody Hall? Cody Hall was such an impressive wrestler. He had his father's size. He was huge. He was a, a good wrestler. He was green, had a long way to go. He worked uh, New Japan. He worked Ring of Honor. He was in the dojos. It's Scott Hall's son. You have a you have a, a storyline already written in. Scott Hall's a much huger star than Billy Gunn or, or other guys. What the fuck ever happened to Cody Hall? I know I think two, maybe three years ago, we, we had a story about how he was, he was like stealing money I didn't from know that. Yeah, he was. He was for for a cup of coffee. And I know we had talked about how he uh, was stealing money from Scott Hall, but I guess if my father was a worthless drunk who was worth millions of dollars, I'd, I'd probably steal money from him too. But, yeah, I don't know. I just I just thought about that when you were talking about, you know, oh, this is one I've called for a while. It's like, yeah, well, where the fuck is Cody hiding? I liked Cody Hall. He was he He would have been on my list of people who was already big by now. Yeah. He was taller than his dad. And Scott Hall's no slouch. Anyways, that was, that was my rant. I, I looked him up. I looked him up, and the most recent thing I'm seeing okay. is he was accused of de- deliberately breaking his opponent's hand in a match in 2017. Oh, that's not good. According to a report from Sports Kita, the accusation started with independent wrestler Vinny Massaro was take, uh, talking football with one of his Twitter followers. Discussing controversial tweets from Colin Kaepernick's girlfriend, Nissa Dab, that allegedly cost him a spot on the Baltimore Ravens roster. 
After commenting on why the Ravens passed on Cap, Cody Hall replied seemingly out of order, telling Massaro that he passed on their match because he's a pussy. Moments later, Massaro replied to Hall's post, accusing the second-generation power of shooting on him and breaking his hand during their match. He compared Hall's actions to those of Sexy Star against Rosemary at Triple A's Triple Mania 25 event the prior, previous month. So it was right after that. Uh-huh. I didn't hear about Sexy it. Sexy Star's still fucking wrestling. Right, <laughs> right. She still has work. And don't get me wrong, she's talented. I, I, It was despicable what she did, but she's talented. But uh, I just I just think it's sad. I think I, I thought he had a, a long way to go in this business. Mm-hmm. Masaro also commented that Hall should be blackballed by the wrestling industry, but is able to get away with his actions due to the fact that his father's a wrestling legend. So maybe that's Apparently what, not. Maybe that's what, <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Maybe that's Apparently what Apparently he stopped. was... Yeah, maybe he was blackballed. <laughs> you know, uh, just because his dad's a legend, I would I would see making an example out of him for that. Or a sexy star, she might have did something bad, but she also like shook the world with that news for a minute. You know what I mean? So there's yeah. some credibility there because when you get the press, you know, I don't know. It is but then you got to look at somebody like Teddy Hart, <laughs> who's had like 27 second chances. Right. It's like, but nonetheless, whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, just um, fact checking since since we were talking about it. No, I'm glad you, I'm glad you did because I don't know why it popped up, but I all of a sudden got super curious about it. Mm. Oh, this week, Pacey though, talk about some more talk about some more bullshit. Oh, this week, both Shikara Inc. and the Wrestle Factory LLC, which is the school owned by veteran Shikara wrestler Mike Quackenbush, announced that they have severed ties with wrestler and trainer Rory Gulak. They released an official announcement saying, quote, we take allegations of misconduct very seriously. In accordance with this, we cooperate completely and transparently with all law enforcement agencies. Our priority is and always will be to the safety of our fans, cast, and crew, unquote. There's been no official law enforcement announcement on Gulak Pasty as of this recording, and he also has not issued any comments on the matter. However, Two female Twitter users made several disturbing sexual allegations against Gulak over the weekend and included screenshots from online conversations with him. Now, Rory Gulak, if you recognize the Gulak name, is the brother of WWE's Drew Gulak. Yeah, there's only one family out there with that last name. (laughs) There's not a lot. (laughs) And Rory has been used as enhancement talent several times for WWE over the years. Hopefully, everything gets figured out and... um, if it's legit, hopefully he never works again. If it's not legit, hopefully he, you know, gets back on track and gets his work. I guess uh, one thing that could be said in, in the wake of, uh, like, the Enzo thing and the, and the James Ellsworth thing is at least he's, like, not making everything public. Yeah, yeah, it's Maybe good that, that he's not out there hooting and hollering. Yeah. Granted, he's not a public figure like them either, so I don't no, know. No, but he's not playing the ACH card. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and we were just talking about Scott Hall, and you can't talk about Scott Hall with Kevin Nash. Well, <laughs> if you're looking for Kevin Nash to fuel up for diesel power one more time, you may want to pump the brakes on that big rig. Big Sexy joined Scott Hall at a big-time wrestling show in Durham, North Carolina over the weekend. Nash said he finally lost to the one opponent who does no jobs, Father Time. Stating, I am retired. Don't feel bad for the Silver Fox, though, because there's plenty on the plate left for Nash. 
At 60 years young, the master of the jackknife power bomb is set to film a new movie with Alec Baldwin coming up this summer. Not to mention, he along with his NWO brethren Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, and Sean Weltman are getting inducted in the WWE Hall of Fame for a second time! As all four men have been inducted once already. Handing out those rings! You never realize how many nicknames somebody have until uh, you uh, sit down and read an article about them. Did you see the picture? <laughs> Did you see the picture of Kevin Nash standing there without knee pads? Yeah. Holy shit! It's uh... I wouldn't be walking anymore. <laughs> I'd be I afraid know, right? to walk. Like you got three more steps on that thing. I think I'd Holy. be on one of them. Uh, I'd be on one of them little rascal scooters. You can say you're done all you want, Kevin Nash, but uh, that Saudi Arabia money has turned a lot of heads. When it comes knocking, you come a jackknifing, baby. <laughs> uh, Kevin Nash versus Gold uh, Goldberg. Yep, that'll be the next one. Oh, yeah, that's just what we need. <laughs> that was bad 30 years ago when they were in their, their primes. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, yeah, well... well Sad that he has to be retired, but uh, I've been not interested in seeing him wrestle for quite some time. Yeah, it's been about two years since he yeah. had his knee surgery, and yeah. yeah, we we don't need him, and I don't think he can do him. I, I he still he could have stopped when he started in the longest yard, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like for that sure. would have been a good time. <laughs> and uh, talk about broken down and hurt. And we move on to our injury report, Pasty. Yes, Will Ospreay reportedly suffered an ankle injury or possibly a broken heel during IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match at New Japan Pro Wrestling Wrestle Kingdom match against Romu Takahashi. Uh, the injury may have happened when Ospreay pulled off a Sasuke special during the match. That's what most reports are saying. I went back to watch it a few times. He executed it perfectly, but that that's still it's a hell of a it's a hell of a flip, folks. It's a it's um it's a running back flip sort of move. So go and look it up if you don't know what it is. But um he nailed it perfectly, but even when you nail it perfectly, if you land slightly wrong, you yeah. can hurt yourself without even being without it being noticeable. So that could have been when it happened. I you didn't notice it during the match. You can't tell during the match that this motherfucker broke his ankle. So I give him all the credit in the world. Leave it to Will Osprey to be the only known injury from Wrestle Kingdom 14 when he was one of the <laughs> few men to only wrestle the first night. Yeah, son of a bitch. Like there should have been a lot more injuries that weren't him from people who couple, worked way harder. Right, couple of them wrestled 40 minutes two nights. Ah. <laughs> uh. Just goes to show you why I don't like the man. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, this is a name. Pampiro Furpo, real name Juan Cashmanian, passed away Thursday at the age of 89. Can we just take a moment to admit that Juan Cashmanian is way better name than Pampiro Furpo? Pampiro Furpo. (laughs) Vince McMahon made that name when he was drunk and high on cocaine. I believe it. He just scribbled it, scribbled it out on a piece of paper, and it probably wasn't even those letters. <laughs> that's just what he read the next day. It wasn't what he was writing, that's for sure. <laughs> he wrote, he wrote Salvador, he wrote Salvador Sullivan, and it came out from Pearl Purple. 
Hey Vince, uh, what was it? What was that name you wanted for the new guy again? Vince messed up on cocaine and booze. Gotcha, vampiro purple. I've I've had about a week in my life with Adderall and writing lyrics, and then after that week, <laughs> looking back at the lyrics and and throwing the whole notebook away. <laughs> like I can't I yeah. can't make any of this work. It doesn't happen. <laughs> The Argentinian-born Furpo wrestled from the 1950s to the 1980s. He was a featured star in many of the territories, including the AWA wrestling the likes of the original Sheik, Nick Bonkwinkle, Bobo Brazil, Johnny Valentine, and Mad Dog Vachon. Juan took the name Furpo after a boxer from the 1920s named the Wind Bowl of the Pampas. Wild. <laughs> oh, Sorry. That makes more sense. The wind bull of the pampas. That's where you got Furpo from, right? The the wild bull of the pampas, Luis Angel Furpo. On hail. Sorry, on hail. Eco. (laughs) And claimed that he was the wild bull's son. Ironically, his real father was a legit shooter an actual amateur wrestler who was a contender for the Olympics in 1972. Furpo wrestled six matches within the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, where he defeated, amongst others, Chief Jay Strongbow at Madison Square Garden. On May 22, 1972, Furpo competed in a losing effort for the WWF heavyweight title against Pedro Morales at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, definitely not a, a super well-known name to a lot of folks nowadays, but he was he was a player back in the day during um, during the territory days and huge in AWA, which is is pasty in my you know you would say hometown league, I guess. I know both of us were young to not born when they went out of business. When I was born, they were just struggling yet. They were, you know, they were nowhere near as good as they were. But we have a love for them. And, you know, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. I mean, we both love the Vikings, right? Got to root for the hometown team. Okay. Um, (laughs) Facing both Chief J. Strongbow and Pedro Morales in Madison Square Garden, that's huge. Again, I guess a lot of people nowadays probably don't think much of Chief J. Strongbow or Pedro Morales or even maybe don't know their names, but at that time, 70s, huge top main event guys. Obviously, title holders. Yeah. Rest yeah. in peace. Rest in peace from... from, 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 from. <laughs> uh, Moving on, pasties. We are. It's hard to kill. It is hard to kill, just like this podcast. Impact, hard to kill. Predictions coming up. The first Impact pay-per-view of the year. Second major pay-per-view in wrestling for the year. So Will it it stack up to Wrestle Kingdom 14? No, No. it will not. Not even close. (laughs) We, We already know that. I'm super excited for the main event, but still, no, it will not. All right, we're jumping out, Pacey, which with what, um, 
Beef Sticks podcast has dubbed the Zootopia match. Okay, it's I was not hoping real that title. came from us and not wrestling. <laughs> not a real title, but we had to throw it in there anyways. The Zootopia match pits Moose versus Rhino. Yes. This yes. match should be in a cage, really. I think it, I think it should be for the Zootopia <laughs> title. Um, You know what? There's... <sighs> As much as we had to say about Rhino and his legacy and what he's done, there's no reason the young up-and-coming Moose, or even young now-there Moose, shouldn't beat Rhino. Right. He's been taking it to everybody from that generation lately, and Rhino's just the next one on the list. I'm right there with you. Moose is winning this one. Moose. Then we have Ken Shamrock taking on Madman Fulton. Um, I'm going to play the same card here. Ken Shamrock is the returning, uh, legend. He, he's the old timer and he should be passing the buck. Um, he, he looks like a million bucks, no doubt about it, but Madman Fulton has been just a beast. He's insane and he's got a lot going to him. I don't see him as, as main event champion, heavyweight champion or nothing like that, but the man has, has a lot to his character and a win over a legend like Shamrock would be great. I'm going Madman Fulton. I'm I'm going Shamrock. Yep. If Rhino's losing, Shamrock's winning. I didn't see his last match. You said it wasn't very good. I'm hoping he's been training a little bit harder since then. Sadly, wasn't. But you know, again, yeah, it might just it might just be what it was. Uh-huh. It might be the the ring rust. It might be just a bad day. It might be. He's no longer good. <laughs> Could be any of those things. Um, and, and then you know, to round out this old three-match old man series. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the old nursing home shuffle here. <laughs> Hard to kill. <laughs> exactly. We're trying. We're trying. <laughs> We're trying to put them in the grave. They just keep coming back like zombies. It's Day of the Dead over here. Oh, my God. Is that Tommy Dreamer? <laughs> What's Tommy Dreamer doing in the impact zone? <laughs> And he's the only one who dies. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Chris Benoit pop his head up. Whoa. Too soon, sorry. Uh, um, <laughs> what do we got here? <laughs> Brian Cage taking on Rob Van Dam. Man, uh, Shamrock is my old guy to go over. Cage is winning this one. Yeah, Rob Van Dam may be the whole effing show, and he may have a smoking hot wife right now, but uh, I'm going with the they call him Cage. Yes. Then we have the match for the Call Your Shot trophy. Seeing Eddie Edwards defending his cup versus Michael Elgin. We're not talking about his, his jock support here, buddy. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, the Call Your Shot trophy is basically like the money in the bank. You know what I mean? It's basically like mm-hmm. the X Division Championship. Yeah. Except you don't I'm have to be an X Division I'm person. Calling it out. <laughs> Do it. I mean, that's legit. That's legit. You got two of them now. I guess you know they have two Money in the Banks because Raw and SmackDown each have one, and then the oh. women each have one. So oh. there's four. And NXT will probably get one this year. <laughs> you might as well try to keep up. I, guess. I mean, I guess at least Impact's calling them different things. <laughs> <laughs> at least they're being creative. <laughs> Uh, Eddie Edwards, Michael Elgin, um, Pasty. I'm I'm gonna go with. I think Eddie Edwards keeps it because of where I see the story going in the future, mm-hmm. not necessarily because of the match itself. 
Yes, and we discussed that before the show, and you almost had me sway my pick, but once they're locked in, I don't like to change them, so I'm sticking with Michael Elgin. To be fair, Elgin's my pick if I don't take storyline into an equation here. So Then we have Impact Tag Team Championships, The North, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander defending their titles against Willie Mack and Rich Swan Pasty. Yes. You know, I was looking at this, and they're the champions, and they just recently got the championships. I almost put my money on the North, even though I hate them and they don't represent me. <laughs> but then I saw that you, you, you named the other team so sweetly for your pick, so I had to outdo you and go with my heart and say <laughs> Wilfred Swanson for the win. Which, you know, actually, when I read that, I really liked that name. It's a good wrestling name. I'm not even sure where it came from, but it sounds like an actual wrestler. It does. It does, yeah. Um, but I'm I'm picking the same team as you, but I'm I'm dubbing them Team Swilly. Willy Juice. Swilly. Willy Juice. No, just Swilly. <laughs> then we have the Impact X Division Championship. That's right. It's the Call Your Shot trophy you can wear around your waist. Ace Austin defending his championship versus Rascal Trey Miguel. Yeah. Um, big fan of the Rascals. No no doubt. They're the they're the stoners, the that 70s show, the the fun loving. They're the they're the Impact's New Day. If New Day was stoners and not um Pancakers? <laughs> Gamers? I don't know what they are. Breakfast but... <laughs> cereal enthusiasts. <laughs> With that being said, I, I don't see a reason for Ace Austin to lose this championship here, and I don't see Trey Miguel as my personal standout of the Rascals. So, to me, Desmond Xavier is the standout. If, they, if it was Desmond Xavier in here, I'd probably be picking him. I'm not picking him. I'm picking Ace Austin. Well... Well, ironically, just wait a second. We could have had a match with Ace Austin and Desmond Xavier, and Xavier Woods was in the New Day, and his name and impact was Austin Creed. Bam! (laughs) Talk about some stoner logic there. The world just imploded on itself. It just goes to show impact has to recycle (laughs) ideas over and over again, doesn't it? It does, just like (laughs) wrestling, I guess. (laughs) I mean, they are blatantly ripping off that 70s show, which was a show about the 70s (laughs) in the 2000s. Hello. Right. (laughs) I'm going to pick the little rascal because I didn't consider things the way you did. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a logical explanation, basically, in all honesty. I didn't look at things the way you did. No, you make a lot of really good points. Maybe I should watch more Impact. I think we all <laughs> should watch more Impact, just to be honest. Mm-hmm. And another reason for that is because they've got one of the best women's division around, and that is exemplified in the three-way Impact Knockouts Championship match. Taya Valkyrie defending her Knockouts Championship against Jordan Grace and ODB in a three-way match. Three amazing, badass women. And might I say, Pasty, I'm going to put this out there. The way a woman looks means nothing in wrestling. 
but I think it's badass. They, they got three big, thick, muscular, non-model women in their knockouts main event match. Yeah, no, this is going to be a really good, really good match. I, I'm really happy to see ODB back in action. It's always she's got to make she's got to make that food truck money, baby. Yes, indeed. Uh, this this was a hard pick. It really was. Uh, my my hopes would be Jordan Grace, but I I have to go with the reigning champion Taya Valkyrie because I think Grace and ODB are gonna kind of get a little sidetracked with each other. They could. I, I think ODB was just put in here for either flavor or favor or both. I think she adds a little something extra and or it's like, oh, yeah, she's back around. She's making money for that food truck. Let's give her a spot. Um, again, I love old ODB. wrestlers wrestling in a modern day pay-per-view called Hard to Kill. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and I love ODB to death. I got nothing negative against her. She's a Minnesota gal. Yes. You know, uh, but I love thick, thick mama pump. I am going with Jordan Grace. And I think it's her time to shine. Ty Valkyrie's. It feels like she's had this title for at least a year. Maybe it hasn't been, but she's had it forever. And I don't think it's going to hurt her to lose it now. And yeah. uh, if she's going to lose it to either one Where of these two gals, it, it should she's be Jordan probably Grace. going to WWE where Morrison finally made his debut on SmackDown. That would be smart for uh, that would be smart for WWE, smart for Ty Valkyrie money wise. And uh, oh, they they straight shot at him to SmackDown. I'll pasty. Yep, yep. Uh, there was cool like an angle with the Miz where he kind of turned heel on Daniel Bryan again, <clears throat> and then they went to go at talk to Miz about it in his locker room and who opened Miz's door. John Morrison. Cool, I like that. Good pick. Yeah. Good stuff. He although he hasn't had a match yet, <laughs> but no, but it's cool that they're uh, yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. It's where he deserves to be, and you know, if, if if the fiend thing is hitting the reset button on everybody, how cool would it be to have Miz and Morrison back together for a short run? I I think it would be great. I think it would be just fan damn tastic, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Too bad Molina's in NWA right now. Back to to when Bray threw, or Matt threw Bray in the Lake of Reincarnation, like Bray <laughs> sucked up some of it, and that's it's got to tie. It's got to tie together. Is Everything he, uh, else is, does. Is he snowballing the Lake of Reincarnation? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's, he, he, that's when he does the mandible claw. <laughs> <laughs> that's too much <laughs> let's wrap this up pasty yes and we wrap it up with a tight bow with probably the most anticipated match from impact wrestling in the last 365 days because we've been building to this for quite some time now oh yeah the impact world championship match sammy callahan defending his title versus tessa blanchard Pasty, yeah. if Tessa Blanchard doesn't win this, then the last year has basically been for fucking nothing. So right. I, I'm, I am excited for this match. I think it's going to be a great match. I love Sammy Callahan. But if Tessa Blanchard doesn't win this, then just, just drop this whole fucking thing altogether because yeah. that's it. Yeah, this has been a very, very, very long time coming. It's and... a good thing. We like a slow build, uh-huh. but it needs to pay off. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does, especially in this circumstance when it is an inter- intergender match. There needs to be some kind of a blow off to this. Otherwise, it's going to get stale. And this and could think, be... Go ahead. I think this is going to be a really good match. I think this is going to be a whole lot of fun. 
I, I, I've enjoyed every time they've interacted before, and I'll enjoy it every time after. I'm kind of hoping that this is Impact's start of the new year to where they're... I'm not going to say there can't be... I think there should be a knockoffs division. I think it's great that there's a knockoffs division. Mm. But I would love to see this set the standard to where Tessa Blanchard wins. It's the world championship. Her matches going forward aren't called intergender matches, which we we didn't call it that here. We called it Impact World Championship match, but yes. I don't want them to be called intergender matches. And I would love to see them have matches with uh, Michael Elgin and Jordan Grace. I'd love to see ODB versus Ken Shamrock. I want to see them pit women and men together who, who work together. I don't want yeah. them to just do it just to do it. That's fucking stupid. Mm. You, that's dumb. But, and only but, in the name of the world work. championship, right? No, no, no. I mean, okay. have have a card where you know on on this edition of um, on this edition of Wednesday Impact or Tuesday Impact, it's ODB versus Ken Shamrock, and it's Michael Elgin versus Jordan Grace, and it's the North versus um, the, the Rascals, and you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be necessarily pitted as women versus man. It's just wrestler versus wrestler, and it doesn't have to yeah. be that every every week. But I think that'd be cool to just start. It doesn't have to just be Tessa Blanchard. But it's going to be Tessa Blanchard. Because that's what we both picked. She's winning this, no yes. doubt. I Casey, say yes for Tess. Uh, that's a great political slogan. Wrapping up the show here, we got to do the tiebreaker because we didn't do it last time and it happened to work out, but it might not happen to work out the next time. Pacey does... Call Your Shot Trophy get used on this pay-per-view. And by used, we don't mean that they have to actually have the match, but they at least have to uh, um, invoke the clause saying, I'm going to use this Call Your Shot Trophy against this person. Mm. Well, I let you pick on this one, so my answer is yes, because you picked no. And by the by, the, uh, the, the Wrestle Kingdom 14... Only counts as one point for both shows because we didn't come up with a tiebreaker. I don't know if we stated that earlier, but we are now. Yeah. Plus, I mean, yeah, and it's just a – it is what it is. It'll yeah. be interesting to see what they do going forward. I hope they go back to one night. They can't They can't do well, this I mean, fucking great every fucking time. It, come on. The bad side of that, though, is this was not a train wreck by any means, so the money says they do it again. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'd still rather they do it as a ploy to get people to join their um their new Japan World streaming service and do a you know, a night before special event and then do that. With with that night having repercussions on the Wrestle Kingdom. I I'm fine with that. I like repercussions. I wouldn't wanna see so many people wrestling on both nights. No, I agree with that also. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. But yeah, we wow. gave out our first S rank this week. Wow. Ever. Ever. That's a, that's a hell of a way to start. Uh, this is only episode two of season three and things are already fucking changing, pasty. Yes. The world is getting better. Just don't look at politics and that end of things. Or Australia. Yeah. Stay away from Australia. Um, and Iran. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, just watch wrestling, folks, and we'll see you oh next week. Oh, my God. Week. No, before we go, Pasty, and I'm going to make this super quick. I heard, I heard a legitimate, a legitimate, uh, 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 whatever, um, 
somebody was making a, a statement who worked for the airlines that was involved in the Canadian Iran thing. And that doesn't matter what it is. What they said was their official statement was the airline company is ran by a bunch of clowns and overseen by a bunch of monkeys. <laughs> that made my whole fucking day. That was their official <laughs> statement. That was a legitimate official professional statement. And Thank I God it wasn't an Air Lingus flight. <laughs> With that being said, I love everybody. Thank you all. Make sure to go to manscaped.com. Use promo code Beefsticks Podcast. 20% now. off this order. Free shipping. We need you to do it. Otherwise, you're not going to get it again. Manscaped.com. Beefsticks, best friend. Support them. Please do it now. Goodbye. <laughs>